Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane this July and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30am sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and to Aboriginal elders emerging. The kids and I have struggled through it, but we, you know, we all know that you've just got to take little baby steps and keep going because that's what he would have wanted us to do. We're sliding back into your podcast stream for the first time in 2020 with an update on a case we brought you in September of 2019, when our friend, Queensland journalist and author Robert Reed joined us to tell us about the subjects of his book, River of Gold. It's a story that shocked a lot of Australian listeners because it comes from a part of our country that's unfamiliar to many of us, where people live a lifestyle that seems quite foreign. We're talking about the northernmost tip of Queensland, the Cape York Peninsula. I'll let Robert describe it. We're talking the biggest town of any note would be 
would be Cooktown. So we're well, well up on the mm-hmm. Cape. Uh, Laura, though, it's only a little, little spot on the map. It's got a pub and a hall, and that's about it. The nearest police, apart from the lone policeman at Laura, is Cooktown. And then you've got a long way south to, to Cairns. So it, it's a it's a vast wilderness area with rivers flowing and gullies. And I would describe it as a badlands in the American sense of the word. But the surrounding area includes the historic town of Maytown, which historically was the main centre of goldfields. People came from California and all over Australia to, to look for gold on the Palmer River. And this is where the trouble begins. You see, the Palmer River, with its deposits of gold, happens to run through a property called, reasonably enough, Palmer Station, which was the kingdom of a particularly eccentric couple, Stephen and Diane Struber. Over the course of several decades, the Strubers became the stuff of legend around the Cape for their fierce defence of the part of the Palmer River that ran through their property. In fact, as time wore on, it seems to have become something of a dangerous obsession for them. Well, Diane has spent her entire life there from the age of two and rarely left the property except for uh, perhaps a family wedding or a funeral. She had no social life, very unsophisticated, worked like a man on the property, killed beasts for food and did all those things that men do on these stations. Stephen came along. He was a handyman type bloke. He could weld, he could fix engines, and he worked on properties around the area, stations around the area, and he ended up at Palmerville and did did jobs for Diane's parents at first, and then he became a regular there, and Diane's father died, and then her mother, and Stephen, well, before she died, she said to Stephen and Diane, if you get married, I'll give you the property. She must have become indoctrinated by his behaviour and became just like him. And that's the story of these two. She says she was never physically physically assaulted by him, uh, but I do believe that she's been moulded in his shape, moulded in his mindset by him. When you saw the photos of them, it just looked like they lived a very hard life. You can see from photos of the homestead inside and out. It's really just a tin shed. Yeah, it is. It's like a corrugated Mm. iron kind of construction, isn't it, with a few things in it? Yeah, that's what it is. Now, Palmer River runs through their property for a distance of approximately 60 k's. And these two, Diane and Stephen, for the best part of 20 years, and increasingly so, chased people off the part of the river that went through the property, and they took that law unto themselves outside the river and off their property as well. These two became notorious for driving up. Diane would be sitting in the vehicle, clearly holding a rifle upright in her lap, and Stephen would go down to the campers or the prospectors and say, get off our land, even if they weren't on their land. And so they became a sort of a Bonnie and Clyde. I don't want to over-dramatise it, but they were uh, kings of their castle and just there was no control over them. One of the local policemen there, he tried to tell his 
hierarchy in Cairns. I need help up here. Send somebody up. These two are out of control. Something bad's going to happen. And it did. 48-year-old father of two, Bruce Shuler, was on a rare weekend away from the video shop he owned and ran with his wife Fiona in Cooktown on July 9, 2012. He was camping with three mates, Tremaine Anderson, Daniel Bidner and Kevin Groth, all of them indulging in their hobby of prospecting for gold with metal detectors. Although he'd never encountered them himself, Two of Bruce's three mates had had personal experience with the notorious Stephen and Diane Struber of Palmer Station. But they decided that the threat of intimidation was worth the rich pickings of the river, and no doubt they thought they could dodge them. Bruce had been a hard worker and a keen outdoorsman all his life. He was a skilled bushman and he was in good physical shape. But there are two things you need to know about prospecting with a metal detector. One is that two people can't work too closely together because their machines interfere with each other. When people go out with metal detectors together, like Bruce and his mates did that weekend, they need to be quite spread out at all times. The second thing is that they work with headphones on. So it's easy to imagine how Bruce could have become isolated and completely immersed in the ground at his feet and how he could have not noticed the approaching danger until it was too late. Stephen and Diane Struber ambushed Bruce Schuler, who was metal detecting for gold on the Palmer River, on a, on a dry gully leading into the Palmer River. In July 2012, there were three of his mates in the area, but spread out a bit because when you use a metal detector... You have to have distance between each one, otherwise they interfere with each other. So Bruce's mates were out of sight of him, but in the area, in the area. And they saw the vehicle, they saw the ute pull up on a ridge above the gully where Bruce was. Bruce's mates knew it was the vehicle of the Strubers. And two of the three mates saw the Strubers in the vehicle. And so there was no question that they were there. They were seen then, out of their sight, out of the witness's sight, there were two gunshots. One appeared to be a rifle shot and one appeared to be a louder report that suggested it was a a large-calibre handgun. And so, although there were no witnesses to the actual killing, there were certainly witnesses to the fact that those two were there when the gunshots were fired. So the police put together a very compelling case, circumstantial case, no witnesses, nobody, and three missing firearms. But it was such well-put-together case that the jury... The jury accepted the fact that the killers were these two. And so they were jailed for life. It still wouldn't reveal where they put the body of Bruce Shuler. So Stephen and Diane Struber were convicted of Bruce Shuler's murder, but his remains have never been found. They still refuse to admit they had anything to do with his disappearance, let alone where his body is.
Diane's brother took over Palmer Station after their conviction and he refused to allow Bruce's family to search the property. Of course, rumours abound in the community. You get a picture of the vastness of this country standing on a hill. I, I said to the one of them, it's Remain actually, you could ride into those hills and stay there for months, couldn't you, Tremaine? And nobody would know you were there. He said, Robert, nobody could find me. If somebody didn't come out who didn't have family and friends to inquire about them, nobody would know. And there's, there's some talk that there's been people who haven't come out, people like that, loners, and that Bruce isn't the only one. Wherever they put Bruce, it's hard to think that he'll ever be found unless they tell Yeah, us. that's what I found so tragic is that Bruce hasn't been found and his partner Fiona that has really lobbied hard for the nobody, no parole rules to come in. Also, they had children. She described yep. it as Bruce has just been murdered and discarded somewhere in the bush. Yep. You've met Fiona, obviously. Oh, yes, I saw her today, actually. She's moved down from Cooktown. She'd had enough. And she's moved down to a family property they've got near near Mariba, where I live. And I see her from time to time. We talk on the phone. And because this is not over, because Bruce hasn't been found, and all efforts to get them to talk, including my mm. own efforts and the police, have failed. And I have looked into Diane's eyes and said, tell me, where's Bruce? And she repeatedly said, I wasn't there, Robert, and it's chilling because she was there. She was seen there and Bruce didn't come back. I've heard this story and I didn't believe it at first, but I believe it now. But where they put Bruce, there's somebody else. Uh There's no other reason that I can think of. Why wouldn't they tell us where he is? What is out there? The police have told me that where we, if, if we found Bruce, we'd find the guns, we'd find a missing tarp that they had on the back of their ute, often, and we'd find bullet holes in Bruce's head and body, and we might find something else. And so it, it's not out of the question that there could be somebody else that they've killed in the past. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We've spoken a lot on Australian True Crime about the no-body, no-parole laws that are slowly gaining traction around Australia. The law was finally passed in Queensland in 2017, due in no small part to the tireless campaigning of Bruce Shuler's widow, Fiona Split. Emily spoke to Fiona a couple of months ago about that campaign, and again just days ago for an update. Let's start, though, by talking about Bruce and his dream for the block of land he'd bought in the bush, very close to where he died. Bruce has been in the building industry most of his life, and um, he had, with all the new regulations and different things you had to deal with, he sort of was having had enough. So he, um, someone had talked, spoke to him about this lease that he had out towards, out past Parliament and um, said, you know, you can go, come out here and go gold detecting, you know, relax. And he decided that was a good idea, so he went out there and he loved being out in the bush. Mm. Um, didn't really get a chance to do much gold detecting because he was too busy building a shed to make it comfortable enough for me to go out there and visit. <laughs> I saw the photos of the shed in uh, the book and it looked really nice. Yeah, and um, there's bathroom, bedroom, kitchen, you know, washing machine, hot water system, solar panels, so you had power and internet, telephone, um, even had TV set up. So it was pretty comfortable. I guess it's handy. He was a builder, so... It would be pretty nice. Yes. And the intention was that was like a bit of a holiday retreat or? Yeah, just, you know, he'd go out there when there was no work happening and potter around in the bush and do what, you know, do what he liked doing. And when I had the opportunity, I'd go out with him and, you know, and the kids often went out too. But, you know, he did not get a chance to do what he wanted to do out there. Yeah, and that was the gold fussy king. Yeah. Mm. So what? Um, yeah. what? What drew? Had he been into gold fussy king for a long time? What drew him to that? He got into it about uh, six years, maybe maybe a little bit longer. Um, when we were living in Cooktown, a few of the guys up there used to go gold detecting. So they'd you know they'd go on camping trips and they'd go gold detecting and. He sort of got um, quite interested in it, and then it came where it got to the point where he couldn't go on people's land. There was because it's a bit like the same as pig hunters, mm. you know. People go out there, they wreck it for them. Um, so you know they were stopping people going out there, and that was another reason why Bruce said, "Well, if I had my own lease, I wouldn't have that problem." And yeah, so that's how he got into that. So he just liked wandering around the bush. 
Yeah, and at the time you were like managing, was it right, a video shop? Owned it. Yeah. Owned it, yep. And so you lived, yep. where did you live? At, at the point of him disappearing, I was commuting between Mareeba and Cooktown. Is that a long trip? Um, three hours. You're talking to a, a Melbourne suburban girl here, so that's a fair yeah, odd trip. three hours and you'd be lucky to see a car on a good day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Are you from that area? Did you grow up there? No, no, no. Um, I came over to Cairns in 1985 with Bruce. Okay. I met him in the Territory. He'd come over to do some work or something, ended up building me a bedroom and at my mum and dad's house and I didn't even sleep in it and left with him. I think he was 21 and I was about 22. Just a t- He's a typical Aussie bloke. Worked hard, enjoyed a beer, you know, loved family life, you know, had a great relationship with both his kids. Um, and, like, most of our younger years it was him working, 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 working all the time so that we, you know, we could have a better life sort of thing. In the July of 2012, Bruce had gone off camping with three of his mates doing a bit of fossicking and the guys had to spread out a bit. You can't even wear a watch or have metal studs in your boots. It interferes with the detecting. Yep. The detectors. Yeah. So they have to, they can't sort of walk side by side and try and detect because they just interfere with each other. They'd gone around that area before, hadn't they, sort of around that Palmerville Station area? Well, Danny and Tremaine obviously have. Hmm. Um, Bruce and Rusty have never been in there. So they didn't really know about Stephen and Diane because they, they, they'd been well, known as a menace for years and years, hadn't they? Yeah. Well, when we were living in Cooktown, we, we, we'd heard the story. But, you know, are they stories or are they facts? You don't know mm. until, you know, something like this happens. When did it really start to become concerning for you? I know that the guys had left a message on Bruce's four-wheel drive asking him to get in contact with them. When had, did you really start to think something terrible had happened? Um, I probably was the the worst one because I, well, not as in panicking, um, I just sort of thought, he's run away, he's hiding in the bush, he's going to turn up. Mm. So it was probably a week after he went missing that it actually hit me that he wasn't coming home Mm. because I just kept thinking he's going to just, you know, turn up. But how had the situation been described to you? By um the guys and the police, like what they oh, thought when, had happened. When I first when I first got the phone call, um, because he had his dog Red out there mm-hmm. with him, um, and then he said that Red had run away and run back to the car. And as soon as he said that, I knew that there was gunshots. He didn't actually say gunshots. He just said Bruce has gone missing. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he said Red had run away to the car and I went, so there was gunshots. And he said, yep. And, um, but I still then thought, you know, Red's run away to the car. Bruce has probably gone in a, you know, different direction. Yep. Didn't think, you know, cause I know I've heard all the stories we've heard is they shoot over their, over everyone's heads mm. that don't actually shoot at people. So 
it was a, a a pretty high profile case, wasn't it, at the time? Yeah. yeah. Can you describe to us the impact that it had on us as like on Bruce's family? Has these like he's got two brothers and three sisters, um, and his dad. Um, it really has destroyed them, I suppose, as such. You know, they um, one of his brothers just is consumed with finding him mm. all the time, and you know he's lost his business over it and everything. The kids and I have struggled through it, but we, you know, we all know that you've just got to take little baby steps and keep going because that's what he would have wanted us to do. Mm. Yeah, there's been, you know, there's been lots of emotional ups and downs and things like that, but, yeah, it's definitely changed all our lives. And it will until the day we can actually bring him home. And that's mm. definitely something that's an ongoing fight for you, isn't it? Really I won't to- give up until I bring him home. Do you feel like information from other people could help find Bruce or do you think it's going to have to solely come from Stephen and Diane? Well, I think there could be a third party that will know where he is, um, which is her brother George. Um, I don't necessarily think he was involved, but I do know, I do, my gut feeling says he knows where he is. Um, The only... The only way that I think that either Diane or Stephen is going to say where he is is when one of them gets that sick that they're dying. Okay. They're going to implicate the other one. Mm. But I do believe that they're not saying anything because if we find Bruce, we're going to find others. For some people, they become really immobilized by their grief and others, they go forward. Tell us about how you started your incredible advocacy for the nobody, no parole laws in Queensland because you really drove that, didn't you? Yep. Um, well, I was just sitting at home one day thinking because how the, how it actually first started was when they said in the court that they'd been given a life sentence, I in my head thought 20 years. Mm-hmm. And But at that point, like a week before they were arrested, Queensland had changed the law to it to be 15 years. The minimum life sentence, yeah. So life sentence in Queensland is 15 years, which is ridiculous. You know, you're not ready to give your 15-year-old kid up to go out into the streets. You know, know, things. it's just 15 years is just ridiculous. I sort of, in my head, sort of thought, you know, they've got to stay there until they tell me how. Um, I had seen a news report about um, South Australia, nobody, no parole, bringing it in. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I can try that. Um, did a f- bit of research, realised that it, it was the only state that had it. And then I had to find out how to go about getting it done because I actually was trying to get it done for the whole of Australia to start with. But you can't do it that way. You've got to get it done by state by state. So then, you know, talk, you know, send emails to politicians, try and get answers. So it just went from there, basically. I just thought, well, I've got to do this. If nothing, if nothing else, hopefully they will tell me where he is. But by the time, you know, by the time I sort of got through that process, I sort of knew in my head that they weren't going to tell me. 
But I thought, well, if it helps someone else, maybe, you know, I've done some good. You've done amazing. I mean, that's an incredible effort. And you met with a lot of people, didn't you? I mean, you met with politicians. You were – did yep. you have people helping you? Um, well, like family was helping me, like spread the petition around and – Things like that. I wasn't a great believer in Facebook and I was sitting around twiddling my thumbs one day and I thought maybe I can use this to my advantage because we were doing it through the Queensland one. You can do it as a web link and, and a paper. And I thought, how am I going to get this out there to other people? Like I stood at the races at Cooktown and at, at the gate as everyone was walking through and got, you know, heaps of signatures. I think I got two thousand that day. Wow! And <laughs> and a few arguments. Yeah. <laughs> Who was arguing with you? Oh, there was a few people saying that you know, what if they're not what if they're not guilty, you know, and you, you get them locked up and the nobody no parole is in effect. And I said, yeah, I get that, but and I had already done my research, and Queensland was the lowest of the states for for convicting people that were not guilty of a crime. Yep. Mm. So you really did, you went full out with your research. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds... You know, not not everyone reads legislation just for the fun of it. No, but you you obviously know a bit (laughs) now. Oh, wow. So Facebook, Mm. um, so you you hopped on the Facebook train? I got it on, yeah, I, I set up a page and... Um, justice for Bruce and just shared it with my few friends I had on Facebook because I wasn't a big person on Facebook and it just went berserk and I've met, um, well I've spoken to Margaret Dodd over in Western Australia who was pushing, who started pushing for nobody, no parole over there as well. Her daughter Hayley was murdered and and they've never Mm -hmm. found Hayley, have they? No. So yeah, I've spoken to her on the phone. Um, Daryl Lloyd. Uh, yep, in yep. Victoria, his brother Terry. Yep. I've been following yeah. him. He, I've spoken to him on the on the phone. Yep. You know, and I, and I got to realise that, you know, we weren't the only ones looking for missing people, basically. There was huge amounts of people, and I've spoken to quite a few people now that, you know, how do we go about this and how do we do this and, and all, all that sort of stuff just through the Facebook page, basically. Yeah, it's funny with Facebook, isn't it? It can be so intense and such a hostile place, but for things like what you were doing, it can be incredible yeah. for spreading the yeah, word. Yeah. Oh, that's that's yeah. really good. When did you get the result with Queensland actually introducing this law? The legislation actually was started in on the 25th of the 8th, 2017. So it would have been a pretty bittersweet yes. moment for you, I'm guessing. Yeah it, took, yeah, it took two years basically from starting the starting looking into how to do the petition and still arguing with politicians and stuff. For, and it took two years. But the day we went to, we, I went down to the parliament the, that when it was announced. The day we went in there and I was listening to him argue, I'm thinking, you're kidding me, this is worse than a kindergarten. (laughs) But when it came to the nobody, no parole, both sides were in agreement and it was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Did you sort of go into a bit of a phase where you were a bit flat after that because you worked so hard? Oh, yeah, I was like, what am I going to do now? Yeah. 
I'm probably still at that stage, actually. What am I going to do now? How have but, you been caring for yourself since Bruce well, disappeared and yeah, and since all the work with the Nobody Nod Paroles been happening? I just um, decided that I needed to get out of Cooktown and move back closer to the kids because I was just sitting, i just go to work, go home. Mm-hmm. That was my life. Yeah. Have you got a good network yeah. of friends? Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they've got their their worlds to live in and they don't need little old me there all the time, so... After the break, an update and a chance for Fiona to bring Bruce home. Coming up on Australian True Crime, a change of circumstances brings Fiona new hope. But first, Emily caught up with Bruce Shuler's widow, Fiona Split, again a couple of days ago after we read an article on the ABC News website. It was about Fiona's latest campaign to keep up public awareness around the fact that she's still looking for Bruce's remains. On what would have been Bruce's 56th birthday, Fiona has erected four billboards around the Palmerville area. Hi, Emily. How are you? Hey, Fiona. How are you going? I'm all right. You? Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Been watching all the stuff about the bushfires. It's a bit stressy. Are you guys okay where you are? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we've um, had our little incidences earlier on, but nothing to the state that they're in down in New South Wales and Victoria, that's just wrong. Yeah. So I saw the ABC article. The signs look pretty impressive and, you know, they'll definitely catch people's attention. Oh, yeah, they won't miss them. No, not <laughs> at all. They won't miss them. <laughs> and I'll explain to listeners. So Fiona and her son and your sister-in-law have organised yep. for these large road signs to be put around the Palmerville area, around the station. Well, I had to, first of all, get approval from Crime Stoppers, um, also from Queensland Police to use their logo. Mm-hmm. And I also had to get approval from Cookshire because it's all on Cookshire Council's um, road area. So I had to get approval from all of those people before I could do anything. And I'd sort of, I did a, did a draft up of what I wanted and you know, backwards and forwards a fair bit, like over 12 months. And then I got the approval and got the signs made. Well, they're they're very impressive. So for the listeners, the signs uh, have a big title saying, please help bring Bruce home. And then there's some text saying, Bruce Shuler was murdered on the 9th of July, 2012 in the Palmerville area. His remains and prospecting equipment have never been located. And then there's an appeal for information with the Crime Stoppers number and there's a really large photo of Bruce in the last, yep. that was the last outfit he was seen in, the last day he was seen, yep. was it? Um, well, it wasn't actually taken, that photo wasn't actually taken that day, but that's pretty close to what he had on and the equipment he had with him. Anyone going into Palmerville will see them. So it's been definitely, you said it's been like 12 months in the making. What prompted this again to, to get this going? Not that you've ever stopped looking for Bruce, but this is a new angle to it. Um, just wanted to put it out there, keep everyone's mind refreshed all the time. Um, and I, def- I know somebody out there knows something. And I'm just hoping that they'll come forward. 
Because you believe, and I know that Robert Reed mentions it in his book, that Stephen Struber and Diane Struber possibly would have told someone else about what they'd done or someone else may have been around? Is that what you think? Yep. yep. Mm. I definitely believe someone out there knows something. And so since we spoke to you after Robert released the book Murder on the River of Gold, have you had much feedback about it? I don't know that people really like to talk too much about it. You know, they think that they're going to make me break down or something. Do you welcome it if people come and talk to you? Oh, yes, definitely. Yep. And you've got the Facebook group as well, haven't you? Justice for Bruce Shuler. Are you going to actually be able to search on the property? Well, I'm hoping so. I know the new owners have taken over. Um, I haven't been in contact with them and they haven't been in contact with me yet, And but I'm sure that will happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm hoping, you know, one day we'll all be able to go out there and search and um, hopefully bring Bruce home. If anything, at least we can say that we've tried. Well, you're trying everything, aren't you? How are your kids going and your, your family and friends? Yeah. Yeah, they're doing okay. They, um, you know, it's just like I said before, it's a wide circle of people this has hurt, so try and plot along. If anyone does have any real information, just please come forward. So, Palmerville Station has been sold. Hopefully that means that the new owners will allow Fiona and her family to search the property for Bruce's remains. It's hard to believe that could be her job, isn't it? In great news, Fiona wants you to know that she is now a grandmother. She has three beautiful grandsons under three who are keeping her very busy and she's looking forward to them being a little bit older. That is what she also wanted you to know. (laughs) Now, that Facebook page is Justice for Bruce Shuler. Justice for Bruce Shuler and you will find the link to that in our show notes and also on our Facebook page. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime, part of the ACAST Creator Network. We'll be back next week. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane this July, and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30 a.m. sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there.